this series, uh, we have started over the last three weeks a series called A Better Way. And, and the idea behind this is that we believe in some very core things of, of a, a Christian life that can change how you're living right now. And, and I think sometimes we get into this mindset where we go, well, you know, Jesus did, he, he, you know, he died for me and he gave his life for me and I'm a believer and now I'm just kind of waited out until heaven comes and I'll just kind of survive the time in the middle. But, but we believe that there's so much more to offer than that. Like God did do that and that's the most amazing gift he ever could have given us is a chance to be with him in eternity. But he also gave us some things while we're here in this time together that can give us a better life. And so we're really wanting to focus in on those and, and to do a little bit of a recap um, on week one, we talked about biblical authority, which is basically just asking the question, whose way is better, your way or God's way? And at the root of all of our decisions in life, we kind of have to come to this road where we make that decision together of saying, I'm going to do what I think is right for me, or I'm going to choose to live how God thinks is right for me. And what we believe at the bridge is for the better way of living the biblical authority says God's way is the best way that we could ever live our life. And to submit to that and to submit to that authority help leads to a better way of life. We have to measure every area of our life against God's word and how it says we should live. So week two, we talked about intentional outreach. Uh, we know and it's been such a blessing, guys. It's been such a crazy journey over the last couple of years of the bridge taking place. But, but God is using the people in this church to change lives. And it's not because we're special or not because we're doing anything just super unique. It's that we've submitted to the fact that God has authority in our lives and we're going to do the things he's called us to do. And out of that, he is using this church to change people's lives. And so part of that intentional outreach is, is this idea that if Jesus or, or something that's happened here at the church has made such an impact on your life, which I hope if you call yourself a believer that Jesus has had some major impact on your life. Why wouldn't you want to share that life-changing thing with somebody else? We're surrounded by all kinds of people that don't have that hope and joy because they're missing out on one of the keys to their life, and that's Jesus. So the intentional outreach part is why wouldn't you take that gift that you've been given and share that with other people. And we believe when you do that, that leads to one of the better ways of living. We believe that everything we do here in our personal lives should be done so that other people can meet Jesus and find the same peace, hope, and joy that we have. And I kind of, there's that little unique phrase in there because some of us may say, well, I'm not very joyful or hopeful today. I believe in Jesus but I'm not very joyful or hopeful today. And I get that. But you have access to that. And usually what that is are some roadblocks in our own life that have been constructed that are keeping us from receiving the thing that God's trying to give us. All of us have access to this hope, peace, and joy. But that's what we're going to talk about, and that's why these core values and, and, and these building blocks of faith are so important. Because the, the more we lock in on these things, the easier it gets to have access to that hope and that joy and that peace and to share that with other people. So week one, biblical authority. Week two, intentional outreach, which brings us to week three. And, and I have the joy to talk this morning about authentic relationships. And I, I can kind of feel the tension in the room of like he said the R word, which probably means things are going to get awkward because he's going to ask me maybe to like talk to people 
or uh, get outside of my little circle, and, and you're right, it's probably going to get a little awkward. So it's going to be okay. We'll embrace it together. We'll be awkward together this morning. Um, we are in this new kind of era, and, and it's becoming an, an increasingly bigger problem where, where we're creating these personal bubbles that are just slowly expanding. We, we in this day and age, seem to have gotten to a place where what, what is acceptable as a relationship continues to be further and further distance apart. And, and for an, a great example of that, the continued like, extra use of social media in our lives is kind of driving this force a little bit because what we have the ability to do is kind of keep people outside of our bubble and then take the bits and pieces of our life that we think are the most exciting or the most fun and, and we put that out there outside of our bubble for people to see and then our response to our relationships is kind of like, yeah, if you want to know more about me, we should be Facebook friends and you can learn about me there. But that is the reality is that what they're seeing is only the best highlights, typically, of what we have to offer. The vacations and the perfect pictures that you took 20 times to make sure you got the lighting just right, like, that's what they're seeing. And I think if we were honest with ourselves, we'd admit that's really not what's going on most days in our life. Um, when I f- bought my first home, uh, as an even poorer young pastor, um, I bought this foreclosed mess of a townhome. And, I mean, exploded water heater, like, uh, the sweet old lady who lived there before had mauve carpet everywhere. Mauve carpet in the kitchen, in the bathrooms, mauve. And then what I assume at one point was a white wall, which was kind of this nice yellow that we've got going on here. And, and I got into this house and I was so excited because it was my first home. And I started on the projects that I like to do. And, and we put in a new floor and we repainted and, and we, we changed the ceilings and we replaced drywall where the water heater had exploded and rotted everything out. And this was this big undertaking, this big project. And I felt like I finally kind of got everything ready after about four or five months of working on this thing. And one day I walk into my living room and I'm kind of doing my thing and I look over to the side and I see like water. (laughs) And then I look up to follow the water and there's this massive bubble of paint holding, I don't know, a bunch of water. Um, And yes, when you poke the bubble, the water comes out. In case you were curious, (laughs) that's what happens in the second part of that story. And so come to find out that this old house that had not been maintained very well uh, had bad plumbing. The bathroom upstairs was leaking. It was coming through the drain and the shower and all these different places. And it had just taken some time of me using it uh, to figure that out. And so, uh, again, poor young guy, uh, not having much of a budget, I was like, well, I need to see at least what's up there. Maybe I can fix it. Uh, and so I cut a hole in the ceiling. And uh, couldn't fix it. <laughs> and so I had to bring in somebody to fix it. And then they're just a plumber, though. They left, and now I have a hole in my ceiling. And I was kind of given this option of like, well, I'm sure I could probably pay for somebody to fix this, or I could spend about $12 and put a vent cover (laughs) over the hole. And I squared it up. It's like centered, and it's in the corner of the living room, and it's facing away so that you can't see up into the vent. Like, I thought this thing through. But to this day, if you were to walk into that house back in Arkansas, there's going to be a hole in the ceiling covered by a vent. And I, I mean, again, young, I don't know. I don't know if I disclose the hole in the ceiling. They may not know, but we know. And so if you're watching, um, you have a hole in your ceiling. And for me, as I was thinking about this week of authentic relationships, that just kind of hit home for a real place of how I think we live our day-to-day relationships. 
We've got some major holes in some pretty obvious places in our life. And, and we just kind of patchwork it up and then pretend that everything's okay. And as long as no one else knows that the hole is there, then everything's going to be okay. And I just don't believe that that's how God has called us to live our lives. I think there are so many restrictions and chains placed on us by trying to carry that out and make sure no one knows about the holes in our ceiling that we miss out on some of the amazing relationships that God has set for us. And I know as I think through that question, you know, I know you're thinking the same thing I'm thinking, and that's if people really knew, if people really knew how messed up I was, if people knew how many holes I've covered up, if people knew how broken that my life is, they wouldn't want a relationship with me. And I just want to speak truth this morning that that is the biggest lie that we've been sold. No one is looking for a perfect relationship. They're looking for an authentic one. And if you can find those relationships in your lives, and I'm sure many of you have those few relationships that you know are the real deal, those are some of the most meaningful things you can have in life. And so why not try to grow that and stretch that and push our boundaries to live the better way of life? So I want to look at the biblical example of where we find that kind of community and how we build that and, and how we have these authentic relationships in our lives. So first, is it even possible, do we have evidence of a community of people living with authentic relationship? Yes. Uh, in Acts 2, verse 44, and this will all be up on the screen, it says this, Now all the believers were together, and they held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Not only is this kind of community possible, and not only have we seen it modeled in the early church, it's part of how God intended for us to do this life. So breaking down that passage, and let's, uh, let's leave that one up. Yeah, go back to the first verse, Liz, thanks. Um, as we kind of break that down and look at that a little bit, let's, let's kind of do a little vote game. Who are you more likely to sell your possessions to help out? A complete stranger or somebody that you know and love? Somebody you know and love, right? Can we pretty much all agree to that? We're a lot more likely to sell the things we hold dear to our life for somebody we know and love. Okay, cool. Let's look at another one of those. Um, they were eating together and gathering together on a regular basis. How many of you, like, love to eat food with people you don't like? Like, nobody? Because <laughs> it's kind of a personal thing, right? It's like happy time. I know it is for me. I don't know. Um, you want to share that with people that you love, but what they're modeling here is they're saying the church as a whole meeting together loved each other enough that they broke bread together and shared meals together, shared their homes together. Um, all of us have been at a dinner that we did not want to be at. So how easy is it during that dinner? And if they're with you, don't look at them. Just keep looking at me. If that was, <laughs> just let's save you that embarrassment. Just eyes up front, okay? Um, but if you've been at that dinner that you did not want to be at, which I know we all have, how easy is it? And let's go to that last verse. Um, how easy is it to be joyful and humble and praising God for those people? Super easy? 
not easy because the whole time you're like, I can't wait to get out of here. I can't stand these people. Hurry up, eat your food. Let's go. That's what's so powerful about this passage is we read through those things so quickly, but they're saying as a church we gathered and we loved each other and we lived life together and we broke bread together. So yes, it's possible, but how do we do that? When I'm thinking about how I want to kind of teach through authentic relationships, there's a particular book that comes to mind that just changes things. Uh, In the book of Thessalonians, uh, Paul wrote these letters to the church in Thessalonica, Thessalonica. and uh, they're known as the most intimate letters because of the language that he uses and the way that he writes to these people is just on this intimate, first-name basis, loving level. And so I wanted to look at this book because if, if I'm wanting to model authentic relationship, I'm going to want to look at a letter that's out of an intimate, authentic relationship that Paul had with this particular church in Thessalonica. And so in 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 through 8, we read this. This is Paul speaking to this church. Although we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles, instead we were gentle among you, as a nursing mother nurtures her own children. We cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. So I want to break this down because I think Paul actually slips in some things in this passage that that model for us how to build authentic relationships. And as we're keying on different words in there, the first one that I want to key on is the word care. Paul says that they cared for each other. Supporting that, I'm going to break this into two parts. The first part of that is that uh, when he's writing in verse 7 and says, "...as a nursing mother nurtures her own children." The point he's trying to make there is how, how much does a child, a nursing child, need her mother? Like a lot, right? It's kind of important for survival. The kid's not going to make it without having their mother there to support them. And, and, and many of you I know have, have kids, and if you can think back to having that first child where you kind of take them by surprise of how much they depended on you, like how important you are in their life, like maybe that caught you off guard a little bit. And the point Paul is making is like, listen, we need each other that bad. We need each other that bad because we will not survive without this relationship with each other. So the first part of that passage I want us to to accept together is that we need to accept our need for others. We need to accept our need for others and we need to realize that it's this desperation kind of thing that if we don't have it, we're not going to make it. We're not going to be able to live that better way kind of life. So as a mother cares for her child, we need to care for those relationships of the people that are around us. The second part of care that I want to focus on, um, Paul says, we cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. Um, You're not going to be able to get along with people until you can learn to care for them. Caring starts with moving past your own needs and looking at life through other people's perspectives. Uh, one of my favorite ways that I've been taught to do this is this saying that, that hurt people hurt people. Have you guys heard that before? Uh, because it's so easy for us to get so offended by what other people do to us and hold these grudges and be just so just disgusted with how they treated us and oftentimes we don't stop. Not that that makes what they did right, 
But oftentimes we don't stop to think, I wonder what's going on in their life that's causing this kind of hell for them that they need to act out this way towards other people. Really hurt people hurt other people. And we have to take that time as believers especially to at least slow down and go, listen, maybe other people have other things going on in their life that might even be a lot worse than what's going on in my life and maybe I need to give them a little bit of grace and start to care for them just a little bit that maybe that can change my perspective towards them enough that instead of going from this resentment and this hate and this disgusting attitude towards this person, I can start to care for them and at least empathize and sympathize with what's going on in their life. That's caring. Stepping outside of your own perspective and seeing someone else's situation through their own eyes. First step to building authentic relationships is caring. The next word that we read in there is share. And, and I believe that as you learn to care for people and as your heart is burdened for them, God gives you a burden to share things with them. Um, you need to share the things you can give, you need to share your stuff, your home, share your hobbies. And, and, and some of us, as we start to care for people, we're like, okay, I can see that. If I, as I start to care for someone, maybe I'd invite them over for dinner. That's safe. I can invite them over for dinner. I can feed them. Or maybe I can loan them my lawnmower. Or maybe I can help them with this or help them with that. And most of us don't balk too much about that. Once we can learn to care for somebody, we're like, okay, I can, I can give some things. But the thing to highlight here is as Paul says share, he doesn't share what's convenient. He says we shared our lives. We shared the gospel, which was the most important truth we have in our life, and we shared our own lives with these people that we care about. And that's the awkward part, but that's the building stage of these authentic relationships, is you have to be willing to share your life, to go past the Facebook page wall and, and let people see what's really going on and connect with people on a different level by sharing your life. I know that's awkward and I know that's scary, but I promise you as you start to do that, God creates something in that connection with that person. It goes beyond this, hi, how are you, to this deeper care and deeper connection and, and you start having feelings for people. You, you, you're caring about what's going on in their life. This message uh, in particular to these two parts has been a huge part of my life for about the last year or so. And it felt strange to teach on authentic relationships and not be authentic about my relationships and at least model that out from my opportunity to have a microphone. So I have been through one of the toughest seasons and most of you have followed through that with us, but I'm currently walking through the end of a pretty tough divorce. I... Uh, have basically been estranged and lost the, the person I care most about in my life. And uh, it's been a very dark season to walk away from being, feeling like you're defined as one thing and have this connection and have this safe place and to have that ripped out of your hands and be set in this whole new dark, deep world that you don't know how to navigate. And so as I started walking through that, God and his sovereignty had already taken a handful, just a couple people in my life that knew me really well and said, hey, listen, if you don't start opening up, if you don't start sharing your life, if you don't start walking through this with other people, you're not going to make it. And as things, I, I, as things progressed and got worse, I basically had this decision to make. I, I can bail and run and do my own thing and, and try to just survive on my own. That's my nature. I'm not a super trusting person. I'm warm, but it's going to take a while for me to connect with people. And a lot of times I feel that I'm strong enough to just do it on my own. 
I could do this with somebody else, but chances are if I hunker down and wait it out long enough, I'll probably be okay on my own. And so I had that option or had the option of going, maybe I try something new with the worst season of my life that I've ever been in, and maybe I reach out and let some people in. And I had such an amazing place here at the bridge to do that because I'd started building these relationships with people where we were caring for each other. We were just starting to share a little bit with each other, the meals, the breaking bread, the worship, those kinds of things. But I took that next step into going, hey, listen, I need to sit confidentially with somebody and tell them what's really going on in my life. I need to pull the vent cover back and I need to let them see the holes and I need to show them how broken and how hurt I am right now because I believe if I don't do that, I'm not gonna make it. And I don't know any other way to teach that or communicate that that was the most amazing thing that has ever happened in my entire life. Because I started developing these deeper, these just intimate relationships with people knowing that I am loved and knowing that I can safely love people and that no matter how, no matter what I do, no matter how far I fall into that pit, there's going to be people that are standing there with me, waiting to link arms with me and waiting to carry me home. And there's no greater gift we have than those kinds of relationships while we're living this life together. It starts with caring. It begins with sharing. But you've got to punch through that first phase and go, listen, this is really what's happening. And watch. It's a guarantee. You pick the right people and you share your lives with them. You will be blessed in a way you cannot possibly imagine. I promise. That I don't make a lot of guarantees, but I promise. That leads us to the third word I want to focus on. Care, share. The last thing that Paul says at the end of that verse is that they were dear to him. And I just want to basically replace that word with love. Paul's signing off on the end of that passage saying, I love you. And I know that I'm loved by you. Our marriage relationships are great. And it's important to do these same things inside of marriage. You need to care and you need to share and, and you need to, to love in your marriage. And that needs to be an everyday kind of fight and an everyday kind of battle. And that's important. But that on its own is not going to get you through this. And at some point, and I'm speaking from my internal experience as well, at some point, you're going to have to accept that you need men, you need other men to help get through this. And women, you're going to need to accept that you need other women to get through this. And, and you have access to people that may not be your best friends, but that will walk through hell with you. Um, the way that I kind of see this in our lives uh, of trying to make this a constant reminder of pushing through this care, share, and love is, is I, I think about walking onto an elevator. And, and it's universal. It's happened in every country I've been in, in every place. Like, it's a universal thing. You walk into an elevator, and you turn around and face the door, and you don't look left, and you don't look right, and you don't talk, and at most, you get one of these. Right? Let me do that again in case you missed it. One of, one of those? Okay. And then that starts to pour over into all these areas of our life where we, we come to church, and the only thing we give people is... And we're in our workplace, and the only thing we give people is. And sometimes it even pours over into our homes where the only thing we give people is. And that's not going to cut it. That's not going to cut it. That's missing out. If you're wondering why you're struggling and why life is like that, because you're missing out on these authentic relationships. And it's not easy, but it's worth it. 
as we uh, start to kind of wrap this up, and um, we are going to get done a little early today, so woohoo. Um, you're welcome, Teardown team. <laughs> the last word that I feel like I have to, to, to really focus on is from the title, Authentic Relationships, and that's Authenticity. Because as we push each other, and guys, we should. In this church, we should push each other to care, share, and love each other. And, and maybe that's a side note I should make. If you're just sitting around waiting for someone to give you all of those things, you're missing out on the relationship part of this because it's a two-way street. Sometimes part of that getting out of your comfort zone is meeting somebody halfway and starting to care, share, and love each other together. A great example of this is the men's camp out. That's going to be an amazing opportunity for some men in this room to step outside of their comfort zone and go, I need, I need to do better at these things and build some relationships with some other guys to get through some hard things in life. Because it is hard. Life is hard. But even if you begin that caring process and even as you begin to share your lives with people and, and as they become dear to you, you have to keep this thing that is the hardest, I think, of all of those once you get those in and that's remaining authentic. Because if you get to this one area and you're like, okay, that's enough. Now I'm just going to pretend that everything else is good from here on out. They know enough about me. And, and now we can just stay these like, nice, tidy, clean friends with tie a little bow on it and be done. That's not how we're supposed to carry through life together. And so you have to be wary of that as you build these relationships. And guys, as we get in these life groups, and I pray so desperately, like, this, there's no gimmick. We don't gain anything to boast by doing life groups as, as leaders of that. We don't gain it. There's, you're not paying to do it. We're not writing it. Any, like we don't gain anything other than knowing that it's one of the best things that you can do with your life. And so I pray that you take these opportunities like men camp, camp out and, and I pray that you take these opportunities like life groups and get connected with people but then challenge yourself to remain authentic. And no matter how painful it is or how awkward it is or how shy it is, once you build those relationships, don't hold back. Don't think... We're called to model the image that Jesus has set out before us. And every week we stand up here and give you this message that is so true from the bottom depths of our heart that there's nothing that you can do to keep Jesus from loving you. And the same way we're supposed to be there for our church brothers and sisters. There's nothing that they can do. There's no failure that they can make that will keep us from being there and from loving them and from trying to carry through this life with them. Remain authentic in your relationships. Um, as the band starts to come back up, I'm going to finish with this passage that we, we tend to twist a little bit, but uh, it's Matthew 7, 1 through 5, and it says this. Do not judge so that you won't be judged. For the judgment you use, for with the judgment you use, you will be judged. And with the measures that you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but don't notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye, and look, there's a log in your eye. Hypocrite, first, take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Super famous passage all over social media, and the tendency that people use this passage is, don't judge me. I'm going to live my life. Bible says, don't judge me. You got your own business, I've got mine, let me do my thing. And if you take that verse and you focus it inward, you're missing the whole point. Jesus is speaking this in his most famous sermon that he gave of all time. 
And he took the time to speak this so that people could understand exactly what we try to champion at the bridge. We are all broken and we are all messy. We all have logs. We all have those things in our life. We all have stuff that we have to deal with. And the thing that I think is so beautiful about that is if you can acknowledge that, and and that's part of the caring process, I think, is seeing things to other people's perspective. But if you can start to do that, it levels the playing field. Because you can create these relationships with people that you know aren't holding things over you because they have their own stuff that they're dealing with. You have to be willing to dive into that garbage together and hold that up together. And it's so easy to start judging, not even the shame on you kind of judging, but, well, they've got it worse than me. I don't have something I can offer them. Or what they're going through, I don't understand. I don't have something that I can offer them. But that's just not true. The prayer you can give them, the support that you can give them. Guys, I've got people in this church that all that they know how to do in this season is they walk up and give me a hug on Sunday, and it means so stinking much to me. And they've maybe not been through what I've been through, and they've maybe not be challenged with these kinds of things. But what they have to offer is a little bit of that caring, a little bit of that sharing, a few kind words, and being authentic with me. Letting me know, hey, I don't really know what to say, but I love you a whole lot. I'm here for you. That's what we want to foster here. That's why we meet in this room. That's why we turn on the lights and we bring the band in. We want to glorify God with that, but we want to be able to connect you guys together so that together we can do this life and together we can figure out a little bit more how to be a little bit more like Jesus and live a little bit better of a life. I want to leave with one more challenge. Um, I think a lot of times when we start thinking about these relationships, we go, well, maybe if I sit here and pray long enough that God will just give me the heart to love them, then I can start doing things for them. And that's not a bad thing to do pray for those kinds of things. If you struggle with connecting with people, if you struggle with caring and sharing with people, pray for God to give you a heart to do that. But I challenge you that sometimes the most influential ways we can change our heart is to start the action before the attitude. And if you don't feel it yet, I challenge you just to take action and try it. Bring somebody over for dinner that you've been building this relationship. Maybe it's just the high. Maybe it's just... But invite them over and hang out. It's a safe place. We're great, awesome, crazy, weird people but we're all there together. And just try it. Try sharing a little bit of your life with somebody. And and if someone shares their life with you, share back. And watch that begins to change and shape the way you live your day-to-day life. Let's pray together. God, I know that I am guilty of this so often of of complaining about how hard my life gets. That God, I look at you and I go, why won't you fix this? Why won't you take this away from me? Why do I have to walk through this season or this hurt or this pain? God, why do I have to suffer this way? And so many times, Lord, the truth is that you've already provided things to heal me and rescue me from that. God, the greatest truth is that you've already given me a salvation that ensures that at the end of this life, I'm gonna be with you. And that's, that's the greatest thing that I can ask for. But God, I don't have to wait to experience the kind of, of love and compassion. God, you can, you can begin to pour those things into my life right now. And one of the ways that you choose to do that, Lord, is through the people that you have put in this church together. God, one of the ways that you choose to remind me that I'm going to be okay and one of the ways that you choose to wrap your arms around me and bring me close is by letting the people that are around me do that. 
And God, it's such a shame for us to walk through this life in our little bitty bubbles and pretend that there's nothing bigger going on around us and to miss out on the kind of relationships that can literally change our lives forever. Lord, you've already told us this life is going to be so hard. You've told us that. But you've given us these tools and these resources and these people to make this a better life, to connect us more closely to you, to help us survive the darkest bottom pit moments of our life. God, as you love us and provide for us like a mother takes care of her child, like a father protects and looks after his son. God, press it upon our hearts to react the same way for the people that we sit shoulder to shoulder to every week. Push us outside of our comfort zone to care, share, and love each other. Father, as we sing this last song together and continue in worship. Let us focus on what it is you're trying to speak into our hearts right now. Let us, don't, don't let go of that. Guys, if you're there and you're hearing that, don't let go of that. Wrestle with those challenges. Wrestle with that conflict inside of your heart. And then act out on what it is that God's calling you to do. Father, we love you. We thank you for the love that you have built inside this church. We give it all to you.